Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, what is it? It's episode something, I'm your host Nick Rome. Uh, what is today's episode? It's 167. 167. It's May 21st, 21st, 2020, and uh, Human Factors Cast, Mr. Blake Arnsdorf is hanging out over there across the interwebs from me. Hanging out, no mask, feeling good about it. Yeah, no mask. We're, we're in the privacy of our own homes. Uh, the only people that we're spreading... Um, the coronavirus, too, is our own microphones. It cannot be transmitted digitally, thankfully. Um, Poor yeah, microphones, Blake. man. These things are nasty at this point. Blake, so I want to talk about something at the top of the show before we actually get into anything, and that is that you and I just got off the line with Nick Lum of Beeline Reader. Yeah, we did. That was a fun conversation, man. That was cool. So just for our listeners, we will put out a uh, interview with him a little bit later uh, hoping to have that to you soon, uh, but uh, we kind of mentioned on show I think 160 or something like that. Uh, Beeline Reader is this tool um, that uh, changes the text of the uh, text on the screen to make you read better. And we had a whole conversation about him and and how Beeline Reader came to be and the human factors applications of it. Um, you know, he's not classically trained in human factors, so he had a blast talking to us to see kind of how uh, his tool that is out there now uh, uh, actually applies to human factors. So that was that was a fun conversation. So I want to get that out there. That will be out sometime soon. It will be in addition to the normal episodes. We're not going to replace an episode with that, uh, but it will be out there. So take a look for that in your feeds. Um, we don't have news for you today. We're that's, newsless. That's... We're newsless. It's not that we don't have news. It's just that the news out there is all kind of uh, focused around a certain topic that we don't want to talk about, or it's just not... We're struggling to find the human factors aspect. So this I mean, episode is going to be kind of a... What do we What do we want to call this? It's like a mailbag special almost? Yeah, we've done these before, <laughs> the little like reach-out episodes. We'll do some banter. We'll talk about some, some questions that we've gotten and then questions we found. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be it'll be a little different, but uh, hopefully you're not jonesing for the news, and and maybe this will just be a nice week to kind of kick back and relax. But we want to let you know up front that there's no news this week. Uh, there's just some advice from two chumps. So uh, stay tuned for that. But first, um, I do want to mention though, you know what continues going on what? despite uh, the, it's Human Factors Minute that goes on every week. Absolutely, over at, uh, Patreon. there's minutes on minutes. Oh man, yeah, like. Uh, <laughs> We are we are so far ahead right now, and I, I love it. I, I love how far ahead we are with the production of the show, and it's just so nice to like see things get posted every week and be like, oh yeah, that's right, we did that. Honestly, like, you know when you open up Google Drive and you can see the little like tiles of the most recently things you've been into. I've always got like Human Factors Minute up there, and it is so awesome to look at it from afar and see how much green there is in that spreadsheet. Of how many yeah. minutes that are already done, posted, ready to go. Ah, it's so good. It's it's a wonderful spreadsheet. I I'm hesitant to share it with others because then people will know what's coming and then they might not anyway. <laughs> That's at the ultra tier of Patreon. You get to see yeah. the spreadsheet. <laughs> anyway, check that out. That's something we're very proud about, uh, you know, and that, that content will never stop coming. 
Um, it's like that uh, Smash Mouth song, and they don't stop coming, and they don't stop. We're gonna get hit with a copyright if I don't stop. Uh, so, <laughs> Blake, what's going on in your world, though? I, w- I want to talk to you because it's been a week. It has been a week, Nick. It's been a crazy week. Um, let's see. So, okay. I have all my life always wanted to play drums, right? But it is very hard to fit a drum set in a small apartment in California. So no way. It's no not way. something I can actually do because Elise would kill me. Um, but I've actually been able to get a... It's like, I'll try and describe it because I don't want to pick it up. It's basically like this rolling pad of eight, of eight different kind of rubberized pads that allow you to hit them and it makes simul like uh, simulated drum sounds and actually has like kick pedals and stuff for the hi-hat and all that. But what has blown me away is just the engineering and the electronics in it cuz you can imagine like if you've you've played a bunch of different instruments, right? I've played a few instruments. Yeah, so I mean there's there's this thing when you play instruments about like the dynamic of sound. So like hitting a note very loudly on a guitar makes it you know, vibrate more, makes the sound louder versus hitting it softly, gives the kind of, gives songs different kind of tonalities. Well, like with a drum, with an electronic drum kit of any kind, I assume that tonality wasn't possible, but the way that this has been put together and also like in, in its ergonomic design, it does pick up, you know, different quality of how hard you strike a pad. So it's been awesome to kind of go through that and see how, you know, recording electronic drums and then mapping them from MIDI to real drums, that entire process and the workflow of it. I've just been nerding out over it for, I don't know, about a week and a half. Uh, Question for you, Blake. Does the drum react to where on the pad that you hit it as well, or is it just the velocity? See, that is a beautiful question, Nick, because it most certainly does. Kind of like how if you hit a cymbal in different places, if you hit it on the bell, it's going to make one type of noise. If you hit it on, like, closer to you, on, like, the the edge of the cymbal, it will make a different noise. Same thing with these pads. Hit in the center, you'll get a completely different noise than if you hit it on the outside. And if anybody who likes music or likes drums, if you know what a rim shot is, so if you're, like, hit the rim of a drum on your snare, you can actually make that sound from an electronic pad. I just don't understand it. It blows my mind every time. That's super cool, man. I I really dig when um, companies really take the time, uh, especially with devices that emulate the real thing. Uh, They take the time to make it feel as much like the real thing as possible. Um, I I always really like that. Uh, so that's cool. That's cool that you are experiencing that on your end with the music stuff. Absolutely. But Nick, what are you up to, man? Please tell me there's some greeblies for this week. <laughs> there's this. <laughs> uh, so, okay, last week on the show, here's here's my here's my weekly Star Wars control panel update. Now, uh, I have like two or three updates this week, so stick with me. First update. Um, I last week mentioned that I... Didn't, I was at the spot where I kind of was lost and didn't know what to do. Uh, started coding stuff up over the weekend, spent a, a late night. I was up until like 3 a.m. coding, and I finally got my buttons to kind of work. The only thing that's not working still is uh, the flashing aspect of the buttons that are not currently activated. It's a whole coding thing, and I'm 
I'm enlisting help from one of our Patreons and, in fact, one of our listeners who is a very active member of the Slack, uh, Mateo. He is he is offered to take a look at my code and my diagram to make sure that everything is good. Uh, so I still need to reach out to him. But so I'm getting help with the coding, the, the physical stuff. Uh, I just kind of I, I got my supplies last week and I made that list and said, OK, I just need to commit. And so what I started doing was putting together kind of like what I'm calling a sub panel. Um, and I liked this sub panel so much that I almost just kept it as its own standalone thing where um, basically I just replaced like a, a light fixture or not a light fixture, a, a light um light switch on the wall with this but it was just a little too narrow i could fix it but i think what i'll do is design it the next one with that in mind and what i'll do is i'll kind of um hack together one of those you know those uh led switch uh covers that come with the light the led light in them that points down is kind of like a night light have you oh, seen yeah, those yeah i know what you're talking about so i want to hijack one of those and just like put in um you know, make it so that it lights my LED light, and that way it's a Star Wars control panel just on my wall, and I can just affix it, you know, in any way I see fit. So I'm, I'm going to do that. So anyways, very sad about um, applying that kind of what I thought could have been a standalone product to the larger uh, thing. But now that I'm seeing everything together, you know, I've I've attached the greeblies, I've attached the buttons, I've painted it, um, I've, I've sealed some elements, and I've weathered others. And I'm very close now. I just need to wire up. Um, it's the coding bit and it's the LED bit, and it, that's it. And and then this panel. Oh, and and a shadow box around the whole thing. And then this panel is done, and I can hang it on a wall and plug it in, and it will make noises and sound. And uh, so that's kind of fun. That is super um, exciting, man. It's so crazy to like watch. Basically, the past. I don't know, four episodes, five episodes and like listening to how we're talking about it. But I get to, I get the benefit of actually seeing you and seeing the progress from when it was just, you know, cardboard cutouts to now it's like got a full, full, full paint. You've got basically everything hooked up. Now you're just basically waiting to finish the code and you'll be good to go. Yeah. And I will say, um, this was nice to build myself and I'm largely inspired by, I'm going to actually share with everyone. Um, there's a YouTuber that I follow. Uh, his his name is Brian, and he's at the Smuggler's Room. He's basically converting his whole basement into the interior of a spaceship from Star Wars. And he puts out these videos every week that are highly produced. And, and um, you know, I was largely inspired from these videos. And he actually, most recently this week, put out a um he just created this kind of thing by himself that he's making at his home with a glowforge laser cutter and um you know various other methods like cast molding and all that stuff and he put together a kit that you can buy and assemble yourself and finish yourself for a uh, droid terminal and so i'm i'm thinking about buying that cuz it's fairly inexpensive it's only $100 for all the materials put together what? um and yeah, right. So like if you if you check it out, if you go to Smuggler's Room, um, if you just Google that, I think it's smugglersroom.com, but you can check out their cargo hold. And that's the most recent item up there is that that kit to put together the uh, um, I'm, I'm looking it up for you right now. So that way uh, well, I'm there. I can send you. It's pretty okay. sick. So if you look at the YouTube video, you can actually see it in action and he shows how to uh, put it all together and everything. But 
um, I think that's going to be my next project because even though it's like it's pre-made, so to speak, I think um, you know a lot of a lot of the elements of building are still there. You know, I just I have all the things at my disposal to begin with, and the only thing I'm lacking really is a laser cutter to do these types of things. And I, I really do want kind of this uh, laser CNC machine Glowforge. They're they're like two thousand dollars for you know, one of them, but, but still, I think, you know, I can make a real, a lot of really cool stuff. I can make a lot of really cool stuff with one of those. So it's, it's very much, uh, you know, something, do I, do I get it? Uh, maybe. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, I think that that kit is my next big thing. Um, he, right now he doesn't have it, but he wants to build in like motors for the, individual layers of acrylic that turn on the um on the uh, droid terminal and he doesn't have that now so i might wait until he figures out how to engineer that into it with the correct parts but everything else is super cool dude it it seems like this is such a cool project for you and it's been awesome for you to go through it and like show progress and this is it's awesome that there's somebody out there like this doing so much of this already that you can kind of like get help with getting the pre-made kits and stuff together and then just go from there build it yourself because there's nothing i don't know there's nothing like being able to code something yourself or you know see the end product of something you like physically build it's just always really cool for in my opinion to like see that look at the progress and really feel like you've accomplished something yeah, I mean, the, the the difference is that this thing that I have in front of me right now, this thing came from my imagination. I made this myself with trash um, and supplies from around my own house. And, and the difference with this is that it's a kit, and it's it's still fine. It's still something that you put together and you've made it yourself. It's just uh, it looks a little bit more polished because it is done on a laser cutter and the pieces are very precise and everything. And that, that appeals to me, too. Um, this one looks like love was put into it, but I can put these side by side and they still look like they're from the same universe. And I like that aspect of it. So, um, stay tuned, stay tuned for that. I might, I might do that. Absolutely, dude. It'd be sick to see. Progress is always fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, I, like I said, we don't have news, so why don't we go ahead and get into, uh, you know what? Let's just take a quick break really quick and then we'll get into Reddit right after this. All right. Human Factors Cast strives to bring you the best in Human Factors chatter every week. We pack news, interviews, reviews, and overall fun conversations into each and every product that we put our seal of approval on. But we can't do it without you. You see, the Human Factors Cast network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running this show come from the listeners. That's why we're giving back to our supporters on Patreon, now more than ever. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like 24-7 access to our exclusive Human Factors Cast Slack channel, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Cast Infinite, a Patreon-only podcast where the topic is human factors, etc. We're always updating our rewards, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you all, and remember, it depends. All right, and we're back. No, no people to thank this week except for all the people that wrote in and all the, uh, all the, what, what do we call them? All the people that we searched out on Reddit. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no news stories, Blake. That's why. That's why there's no news stories this week. But that's okay because we are going to get into the next part of the show. 
It came from. It came from. That's right. It came from everywhere, really. Yeah, I guess this uh, week it did really come from everywhere, didn't it? It came from everywhere. Uh, usually this is it came from Reddit or it came from Twitter or it came from really anywhere. But but this week we got a couple interesting ones. I want to talk about this one here. This is Matt J. Pierce on Twitter. They write to us, uh, Human Factors Cast, how can Human Factors methodology be better paired with immersive technologies development to better guide content creators to the best methods and assessments for effective training? Blake, that is a a mouthful, but let's break that down. So, so we're talking about training. We're talking about immersive technologies, um, and human factors methodology. Uh, so, what this means to me is almost: can we use VR, AR, uh, virtual environments as a means of training, um, and specifically with content creators? Um, and, and so this could be anyone from, uh, like entertainment content creators or, uh, content creators of training d- devices and products for any specific, uh, company. Like that's, that's kind of the way I'm interpreting this. Did you interpret this the same way? Not necessarily. Cause it, okay. Or maybe it, maybe I did. It, it's, it's kind of two things to me. It's almost, I read when I first read it, it made me think of, you know, how do we actually, you know, teach human factors methodology in an immersive fashion? So give you like, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is like critical incident technique puts you in a situation where you have to make an assessment. And so you can get actually live actual experience of a human factors method in real time using AR or VR, like you mentioned. Um, and then the the second way I, could, I would interpret it also is what you were saying. So it's like, you're creating con- people that create content and it seems like it's very focused on like training aspects of content creation. So how, do, how do I like understand if my training is effective or my like assessment methods are effective in VR or in AR and what human factors methods can I use to kind of understand that a little bit better? Yeah. So, uh, how, how can these technologies be used? How, how can immersive technologies be used to better training? Let's start there. Right. Yeah. This is really interesting to me in that. I I don't know how much like essay science most people are aware of essay being situation awareness and there's different, I'm going to use the the simplified version and I will likely get it wrong because grad school has been a while from now. But there's a lot of different schools of thought of how you best test situation awareness. And so this almost makes me think of in VR, if you use what's called the spam method, I think that's the, the right one in what I'm, in a, in what I'm about to describe. It's basically you, almost, you don't necessarily interrupt an operator, but you give them questions or you query their knowledge while they're doing something. Um, so this could be a situation where understanding and comparing, you know, the immersiveness of a technology like using VR for, I don't know, in this case, maybe you're developing training programs for surgery and determining how well people are maintaining and understanding a situation in like a virtual environment versus what happens if you're in the kind of like operating room and you're simulating something more so. So that would be a kind of cool AB comparison. But also too, I think another interesting aspect of VR is, especially for human factors people or people interested in like designing experiences or UX or whatever you want to call it, um, VR develops its own context 
And for anybody that listens to this podcast or is interested in human factors, you know that context really impacts how people act, how people perceive situations. And when it's something so foreign, like a virtual environment, maybe like you comparing me to my mom versus who's got experience in virtual environments and how we interact in them and how we learn from them is going to be completely different. So you almost have to cater for different kind of mindsets of understanding the technology. So that's kind of another aspect where research and applications of, you know, different human factors methods, whether it's assessing situation awareness, asking and doing user interviews, or having somebody perform a task and looking at their performance metrics. Can they complete it in VR? Can they complete it based off the tutorial they get? in VR. Um, yeah, and I also feel like, uh, you know, VR allows for that tailorability, right? It's, it's, uh, VR can be a rapid thing. Um, you don't need very high fidelity to do, uh, you know, the, the training in a virtual environment. Um, you just need enough to transport you to that environment. And so it's very much, uh, it, it can be rapid and um, adapted for those different types of populations, right? So I do want to I do want to talk about briefly. Um, you you mentioned uh, well, I, I want to talk about VR training just in general. Um, so let's let's talk about what VR and AR really can do. Is it can you can practice things before you actually do them in the real life, and this this can be especially true for things like uh, where there are potential consequences that are greater than um, the cost of a VR setup, right? So if you're doing surgery or something, that could be somebody's life versus uh, a VR cadaver's, you know, emulated life. Um, and so the cost of a... What was that look? I I'm watching the captions and it made me laugh when it recorded. Oh, okay. Anyway, so... It, <laughs> what did it say? It just said G and I didn't say anything. Okay. <laughs> For anybody anyway, who doesn't this... know, in Google Meet, there's a captions feature, and Nick and I are pretty much enamored by the automation in this thing. It's really great. Um, anyway, so my whole point with this is that you can very much use AR and VR to simulate dangerous environments without actually putting the operator or others in in jeopardy of of that situation so like high high risk surgeries uh combat scenarios uh flight simulators anything like that can be done in virtual environments to help reduce um you know basically the cognitive workload when that operator is in the physical environment and the closer you can get that virtual environment to the real environment whether that's through um um interaction methods like like using the same tools in a virtual environment versus using um the real tools if those are an analog one-to-one then it's going to be a lot more successful than if you didn't man it it's got to be a really sweet time i mean covid stuff aside it's got to be a really sweet time to be in graduate school or thinking about like research in this realm because how awesome i don't know i've this conversation is just making me think about teaming and automation and the impact of, you know, like I, or I can't remember whose papers it is, but there's like this concept that's always been around of like a, another agent or a virtual agent that was always kind of thought of as like part of your display or part of your cockpit. But now what if you had a virtual agent that is literally another human being aided by automation that's aiding humans in a situation? 
Um, so it's like they they're not necessarily in the same context as the as like a team, but they are basically like almost an Overwatch or a omnipotent observer that can provide context or more information that the operators on the ground may not have. There's just such a cool breadth of things you could be thinking about from the teaming with automation aspect and then teaming within virtual environments and then teaming with people both inside a virtual environment and the impact outside of it for other people. So it's a, it's gotta be a really fun time for people to be thinking about research projects in this realm. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, why don't we go ahead and get into our next one here? So I'm going to pull this one from the human factor subreddit, and this is just kind of more of a PSA. There's a virtual ergonomics event. It's an online event on how motion capture is used in the field of ergonomics and virtual design, verification, and human factors. This is on May 27th. Um, the uh, the event is, it looks like it's free for people to join up. So, um, you know, go check that out. It's a virtual uh, TAC, ergonomics, TAC event.com. So uh, May 27th, we might see a couple of you there. Um, yeah, we might check it out. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. I've always liked learning about ergonomics just because I know so little about it. And it's kind of embarrassing sometimes. But I mean, we we have colleagues that are very, very fluent in it. And it's something I, I think about all the time, especially right now. I've seen a lot of people that are in the human factors field, you know, posting articles about the 10 best ways to set up your desk at home from an ergonomic perspective. And I always seem to find myself like falling short somehow. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm falling way short with my setup. Um, okay. The next one here. Oh, sorry. You know what? I didn't even I didn't even list who that was from and and all that stuff. So oh come on, me, Neek. Come on. What am I doing here? This what this is like. Hang on. Control Shift T. Let's get that tab back up. Let's no nope two T's. Okay, that was on the Human Factor subreddit. That was posted by uh, user R S I K K E M A Risikema. So thank you, Resikema, for allowing all of us to know about this virtual ergonomics event. Like I said, that seems like a fun time. Uh, it might be like an ErgoX type of deal where there's a bunch of people there. That'd be fun. Yeah, to give a little more insight, uh, just from the website from Xsins, I guess these are the guys that are putting it on. So it's it's purported to be a virtual ergonomics event organized by Xsins and other industry partners. And the event's going to provide ergonomic specialists and enthusiasts insights on how motion capture can be used in the field of ergonomics, virtual design, verification, and human factors. So it's kind of got a really interesting you know take on things, focusing on motion capture and how that impacts, I guess, virtual design in an ergonomic sense. So that's... that's no, I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight I'm gonna highlight a couple of uh, of chats here. So there's there's a full agenda on the website, um, but they do like ergonomics risk assessment with 3D postural analysis, um, getting certified for accredited ergonomic certification, real time visualization of physical workload assessment, rethinking human ergonomics in lean manufacturing and service industry. Uh, towards collaborative robots and anticipatory behaviors, a biomechanical analysis of motion capture data in an ergonomics context, uh, estimation of spine. Wow, there's a lot on here. I'm not going to read the full thing, but man, go check out this agenda. It's great. Yeah, it really is. It's it's definitely a little bit different than I thought it was going to be too. Yeah, I don't see any familiar names, uh, you know, that we've talked to in the past, but definitely worth a check out. I yeah. Let's let's do this, Blake. Let's do this. I'm down. Uh, it looks what is it? It's May twenty seventh and 
May 27th. Uh, <laughs> what is that? That's a Wednesday. Uh, I might be able to make that work. It's from, it's, it looks like it's from 9 a.m. until uh, 1545. I can't tell if this is Pacific or Eastern. I feel like it's going to be Eastern if I'm taking a guess. I if, yeah, probably. So, anyway. Check that out. That that looks like a fun time. Let's do that. All right. Uh, we got one more, and then we're going to wrap it up for today. Human Factors related movies, et cetera, to watch. This is from the Human Factors subreddit. This is by Moody Jenna. Moody Jenna, thank you for this one. Quarantining like the rest of the world, currently reading some Human Factors related books every day as I get more acquainted with the subject, loving it so far. I'd love to stream something online if any of you have recommendations. I've been watching some Human Factors conference footage I found on YouTube. I wonder if that's us. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> While getting ready in the mornings, and it's been really enjoyable slash fascinating for me, but wanted to see if any of you had any recommendations. Blake, you got any good recommendations for Human Factors Media? This is this is tough, because I feel like when I watch movies, I see you know Human Factors-related issues, but not so much like... Re- human factors specific movies like if you're going to walk watch a documentary right on human factors methods or you know the impact of human factors or ergonomics i can't really think of anything off the top of my head i know when i watch a lot of sci-fi films i like to laugh at them because some of the interfaces are so crazily designed um for the movie magic aspect of it that sometimes i mean at least tear them apart and it's kind of a dirty silly thing to do um but i don't know in in terms of human factor style films i know we did a little bit of a series of watching some you know space related films and doing commentary based on you know the impact of the space race and the human factors aspects of some of the ship design but off the top of my head not too many i mean i know the right stuff is a really great film um that has lots of human factors implications yeah i will i will echo that series so if you're a patreon subscriber you can go back and watch those those are still up available to you we stopped that series um just because it was getting difficult like we found a bunch of movies i guess to watch and provide commentary on but the problem was that we struggled to find the human factors stuff like we were sitting there looking for the human factor stuff and there's not a whole lot to it there were a couple really good examples i think command and control was a very good uh documentary uh, that had a lot of human factors implications. Um, I'm reading some of the comments on this Reddit thread, Chernobyl. Um, and, oh, here's Command and Control. Yeah, that one was mentioned as well uh, on this thread. So definitely worth a check out. Um, let's see. The Experiment with Adrian Brody. There oh, we go. it's in the Stanford Experiment. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, that one I haven't seen, but I've heard is great. Um, they say the right stuff is good for humor performance. I don't know if I echo that. I, I do not. That was me being I, facetious in case my tone was not indicating that. That because yeah. that was that one was really hard in our series because it was very eighties, very kind of funny, enjoyable to watch and kind of like poke fun at and try and pull some ideas out of. But like Command right. and Control was the best example we had of like because they break down all the issues and then you can think about it like retrospectively, of course what all leads up into there and where are the human elements, where are the machine elements that are the problem um, versus like the right stuff. And some of the other ones, it was a little more difficult to pull that out. Uh, Studio Ghibli, the wind rises. That's a good one too. Um, That's aviation. uh, Pull at your heartstrings too. So that one's a good one. 
Um, this person says any, all of air disasters, Sully, um, yeah, I would imagine that, uh, you know, I, I, human factors has ruined a lot of movies for me now. (laughs) Cause like, you just look at it and you're like, I would, sci-fi especially, right? Minority report, like those, those people with the hands up elevated for extended periods of time. That would never happen. The strongest Um, people ever. Yeah. It just kind of ruins things for me now. And it's, it's sad, but, um, you know, that being said, uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there. What I like to recommend is just look for the human factors in all movies because that, that, be, uh, that could be a good exercise, I think. Yeah, you can identify issues and maybe even like in sci-fi, for instance, the cool thing I like to think about like Minority Reports 1 where, okay, the the swiping of the screens and having being able to access them that way and interact with them in such a seamless fashion is awesome. Um, as a concept, but we know from the you know the ergonomic perspective that it's going to be really painful. You're going to have fatigue, but it also allows you to think about well, how would that really work? What aspects of that could be possible? Would it be better if it was laying down in front of you and you could just move things around like that versus having your arms extended out in front to be like good for movie magic? So I I do like to do that kind of experiment in my head of like really where could this go, just in a different form. Yeah. Um, I agree. All right. That's it. That's all we got for you today. Uh, let us know what you guys think of this format. I know it's a little different. The news was a little rough this week. Uh, it's okay. We're, we're shortening the show due to everything that's going on. And we know a lot of you are not, uh, commuting. We know the news is not always bright and cheery and, and, uh, this week especially. So if you want to, you can join the discussion on our Slack. Uh, we post links to the news that we do find up there. We don't always use it all. And uh, it's it's still a good resource, so go check that out. If you want to reach to us directly, it's show at humanfactorscast.com. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, you can leave us a review on your podcast medium of choice or consider supporting us on Patreon. We are very excited about Human Factors Minute, but there are others in need, so please donate to them first. We are not that worthy. Uh, and, of course, you can always reach us at our home on the web, humanfactorscast.com. Mr. Blake Arnstorf, where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about this ergonomic uh, conference going on where people are wearing weird things on their head and smiling weirdly? Well, always, if you want to talk about weird things you're wearing on your head and smiling weirdly, you can always find me at Don't Panic UX or in our Slack at Blake. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in to Human Factors Cast this week. I know it's a little weird, but until next time, it depends. depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft. These are all examples of highly technical systems and organizations and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202 The Human Factors Podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.